Welcome to Market Scale Retail. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today I start a three-part podcast series with Jackie Werblow of Convex Leadership. Now, Jackie is not only the CEO, she's the head coach at Convex Leadership. Today, we'll discuss the nature of coaching. Jackie, how are you today? I'm great, Sean. Good to be with you. It is very exciting to get to talk to you. You seem to be someone who people are very comfortable bouncing ideas off of. So if you would do me a kindness and tell me a little bit about the journey that brought you to this point in your career that allows you to be such an important part in the careers of others. Some 30 years ago, I started out in human resources. I had a degree in political science, didn't know what I wanted to do and happened one day into human resources and spent an entire journey there, eventually becoming a chief people officer. I always bristled against the title chief human resources officer because that makes it about a function. But as chief people officer, it was about the people of the organization. And after working for about nearly 15 years as a chief people officer, I realized that the same issues arose because we weren't coaching people to be better. We were dealing with them incrementally. And so I decided to expand my horizons and my education and learn more about executive coaching and business and leadership coaching. And that's how I started this journey. And at some point or another, I decided that I could do more from the outside looking into organizations than being a part of the organization. So I can help lots of people. And I've got the greatest job in the world because I get to help people figure out how to achieve their dreams. What exactly is contained in business coaching? You know, that's a, that's a very highbrow phrase, business coaching, that, that title, that label of that process. And I would imagine that can intimidate quite a lot of people. But the way you approach it personally comes from your experience. You really make it personalized. It's not necessarily about, as you mentioned, an organization. It's about each individual in that organization and improving the way that they can all reach for the same goal. Tell me a little bit about day one. You walk into my company or or I meet you for the first time. What sort of things do you really need to learn about me at the beginning? Well, let's go through an exercise and see. Okay. Sean, what do you want to change? You know, I feel that there are times where I am running around so unfocused trying to manage so many different job opportunities or responsibilities, both in my personal and professional life, that I, I just, I don't think I'm doing all of them justice because I think I'm sort of halfway doing everything to the best of my ability. What do you want instead? You know, I'd like to be really great at anything that I do even if that means lessening the number of things that I do. So when I hear you, I hear a great deal of passion in your voice about achieving more greatness. Is that true? Yeah, I think, you know, I've always 
gone most of my life trying not to compare myself to other people. But that's human nature. You, you, you see benchmarks, you see levels and you think, well, I could probably do that. My challenge is that I think I can do everything. I do not believe that there's something I cannot do. I just believe there are things I have not done yet. You want to do everything, but you want to do them equally well. Yes. That's the problem that I find myself with on a daily basis. What are you willing to do to get to that point where you're doing everything well? Well, as I mentioned, I am willing to to give up things that maybe don't contribute to the overall success of whatever particular pursuit that I, I want to focus on. I'm an extremely uh, focused individual, which is a ridiculous thing for me to say because I just said a moment ago how I'm so scattered, but I'm able to compartmentalize and place my focus directly on the thing I'm actively doing. But I wonder if I didn't have somewhere in the back of my mind thinking about this other thing that I also have to do, I wonder if that would increase my focus and therefore my efficiency even better in the things that I do actively focus on. Wow, that's a tall order. And when you got to the point where you were really achieving what you want, how would you know you were there? That is a question I do not know the answer to. Because normally we measure success by comparison or by a, a landmark that we set for ourselves, a mile marker. And if you don't know how long the journey is going to be, how do you know how much importance to apply to a mile marker as you reach it? What's your North Star? Uh, probably, you mean my single driving focus? Yes. I want my children to be prepared to protect themselves, not just survive, but to thrive when I'm not here 50, 60 years down the road to protect them. That's my driving focus. And we've just set a very powerful agenda for you. And the next steps to coaching would be to explore that and establish your success measures and figure out what you can do to begin the process of achieving it. So you have an opportunity to go on that little mini journey with every single client that you have. That has to be incredibly rewarding for you. It, it truly is. And each journey is so different. And you'd be amazed where you might start and where you finish. And the path that it takes. A lot of coaches call it dancing in the moment with the client because the client always drives where you're going. The coach is along for the, the journey. The coach is not leading the dance, but setting the agenda, exploring it further, having mile markers along the way, the measures of success for each session, and then the next steps moving forward it's not about solving one issue. It's about moving you forward as an individual. Now, I know one thing that you take very much to heart at Convex Leadership is approaching everything from an ethical mm -hmm. standpoint. Everything you do revolves around proper ethics. And that, I would think, helps you avoid 
conflicts that have no way of being beneficial to either you or to your client? We take great care. We subscribe and follow the the ethical guidelines that have been established by the International Coaching Federation. And we're sure that we're not giving advice nor stepping into areas that we're not qualified to be in. I'm not a psychologist and I'm not going to go down a path of, of providing that kind of advice. This is about the whole person moving forward with what they want and their goals for sure. Now you have an opportunity throughout your career to be on the client side of the coaching equation from all your times, as you mentioned, in human resources and uh, working for major consulting firms, you had the ability to see coaching from that side. That gives you even an added layer of perspective that has to be extremely beneficial for your clients. It is. And there's a story about that that always is in my mind as I start a coaching engagement. Uh, Several years ago, long before I was uh, responsible for an entire team of human resources people, I worked for someone who decided that each of us should go through a coaching process, except he didn't sit down and talk with us about it, but rather the, the coach called us and said, hey, you've been selected for coaching. I wasted that opportunity because I didn't understand the power or what coaching was about or what I was going to achieve through it. On top of that, it was a a coach early in her career. And so I always try to remember that I want to look at how I approach the engagement from that new client perspective. I want them to have to walk away with feeling they've been in a brand new car car with a lot of power and they're driving it off the lot and they're feeling good about it. That's the coaching engagement for me, making sure that at that start, when we set the agenda, they feel good about it and they know they're in control. They're the driver. And I think it's because of that story of, of my not feeling connected to a coach and wasting an opportunity that I never want a client to feel their opportunity has been wasted. Uh, You are literally setting them up for success before they've even said one word. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit because there are some trends that are starting to come to the forefront as far as coaches and clients in the business coaching space. Uh, First off that comes to my mind is accessibility coaching is available now. It it doesn't seem like something that only someone at a fortune 500 company would get. Business coaching is something that someone who is doing a home-based business, someone who sets up a stall at the farmer's market. It's so accessible. Anybody can benefit from this if they decide they want to, right? Yes. That's such a change over the past 50 years. You know, when coaching started out, it was really for the top tier, the top tier in the economic world, the top tier in the corporate world. It wasn't for the individual who wanted to do something different, better, more successfully in their life. And now, particularly with 
um, the ability to find coaches anywhere through ads, through the, through just type in the word coach, and it'll ask you on Google lifestyle coach or executive coach, business coach, personal coach, athletic coach, or business coach. And so, yes, you can find a coach quickly and at any price point. So the idea of accessibility is, is something that's very powerful and it's also something challenging. And it's challenging because you can um, find a coach so easily that you may not go through the steps of identifying, is it the right fit for you? And is the person really trained as a coach? You know, another thing that I think holds people back or at least has in the past as far as seeking coaching has been where they find themselves in their journey and their career. Most people did not traditionally think about coaching as something you do early on. You, you know what, I've, I'm going to do this job. And then once I figure out what the challenges are, then maybe somewhere down the road, or maybe they didn't even consider coaching. But do you find that coaching enters the equation much earlier in people's careers now? Absolutely. You know, we have a whole new generation of workers who are the products of their parents having used coaching later in life. And they're seeing it as a positive way to make an impact early in their career. And there's such a link, linkage with what they want to accomplish. So many people today want to make sure that their work has meaning. What better way than to be assured you understand your goal, where you want to be, and where you want to go? And so the, our newer generation of leaders, our newer generation of employees, and our newer generation of entrepreneurs aren't waiting Rather, they're selecting themselves to be coached, uh, and they're willing to make the investment in themselves because they know that there's a return on that investment from personal growth and action. There's an obvious synergy and a power that comes from learning in a group that all has a common interest. That's not new. That's been around forever. But you work with a concept of a mastermind group. Can you tell me a little bit about just why that works so well and what it is? It's the power of common goals and thinking. So a mastermind group might be a group of five to 10 individuals who all have a common element. They're all entrepreneurs. They're all in finance or human resources, or they're all CEOs of certain size companies and they're seeking counsel from each other. They help each other grow. It's not that they're competitors. It's that they're collaborative colleagues who happen not to work at the same company. And they can exchange information, ideas, be sounding boards, and they're facilitated by someone from Convex Leadership. And the, the idea is that those discussions lead to their own sets of individual conclusions that we then do some individual coaching on with the members of the mastermind group. 
that sounds very much to me like the ancient Greek concept of a lyceum uh, back in the days of Aristotle, where all of the bright minds would get together and they would share the knowledge that they had, which made all of them smarter individually. But then if everybody's smarter individually, they're exponentially smarter when they're collective. Well, Sean, you know your history. And you may have read about mastermind groups, but that's precisely the concept of the mastermind group is going back to how people learned um, at the Lyceum. And in today's world, um, you know, you're better collectively if you're learning from a group than if you're sitting reading one of the myriad of leadership books that you can find on Amazon or other bookstore sellers. Well, one of the things that I really find fascinating about just the concept of of education and knowledge is that none of us individually is as smart as any of us collectively. And that's a very powerful moment to realize that that takes an awful lot of pressure off of a client to realize I don't have to figure out the mysteries of the universe. I just have to bring what I know to this group and then I get all of this other knowledge from these other people, that has to be an extremely liberating and freeing experience for for students of any good business coach. Yeah, I I think it is. And, you know, it also helps with uh, something we all have, you know, those automatic negative thoughts that uh, I'm the only one facing this particular kind of problem or, or it's a unique issue. And suddenly you find out you're not alone and that others have been there or are feeling the same issues and problems that you are. And so you're really able to sort through it together, brainstorm in safety, and walk out with solutions, or walk out with an agenda that you want to be coached on individually, so that you move forward quickly. Based on your experience in the traditional HR role, Leaving that role and focusing on expanded cultures of coaching, that is a seismic shift in the way that individuals and corporations approach the concept of improvement. Tell me a little bit about some of the benefits that a culture change can bring to an entire company. Sean, first of all, I'm going to go out on a limb and make a prediction. I think within 10 years, the traditional human resources function will either be minimalized or eliminated at many companies because all of the kinds of administrative services, those can be done in the background in other ways. But the most important role that a human resources leader can bring to the table is helping to introduce the concept of asking more and telling less. And truly, in organizations that appreciate their leaders, appreciate how their leaders want to make decisions and educate their leaders on how to make decisions, coaching is far more important than telling. One final point today while while I have you, and that is you're obviously a thought leader in the industry. You have established your bona fides. You have a reputation, well-deserved and hard-earned, I might add. 
you don't look back. You're always looking forward. What things do you see on the horizon? I know you mentioned just now that the traditional HR roles and HR departments will probably be replaced by some mastermind uh, approach and group within corporations. Are there any other things that you see on the horizon that really have perked your interest? Yeah, no doubt that the integration of artificial intelligence with coaching is on our horizon. Artificial intelligence is going to permeate our work life and our lives in general in so many ways that we haven't even begun to comprehend. You know, in 1986, there was an article published that said, by the year 2000, every home would have at least two computers. Anyone who read that article in 1985 shrugged. You were only buying your first Mac or your first Radio Shack computer, and you thought, yeah, right. Well, the reality is every home has far more than two computers. Everything we do is operated by a computer. And so recognizing there's going to be greater artificial intelligence with coaching is something we have to do. And it's either going to be in the assessments we use or the way people address their own expectations. Already there are bots that <clears throat> can mimic and complement the coaching process. Um, already there are standardized tests and assessments that will you know, spit out who you are, in essence, in a matter of minutes or seconds. And for people who just want to be coached through a series of standardized questions or facts, artificial intelligence will have a place. But I think the creative process of human exploration can't go away. Um, we're likely to see a, a, a combination instead. And the second trend is more better coaches. <laughs> Coaching is a career with a growth trajectory. Because it balances the returns on investment for clients with the coming generation's broad-based movement to make a difference in the world. And so what better way to make a difference than to identify that gap between where you are today and what you want to be doing and accomplishing and then set your plan to achieve that greater good that you're looking for. Well, I have to say, I am incredibly excited that I get to have at least two more of these conversations with you. I'm very much looking forward to that. Today, I have had the privilege of getting to know Jackie Werblow, the CEO and head coach at Convex Leadership. Jackie, thank you so much for taking the time today. I have really appreciated it. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks, Sean. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.